You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. From the AfterBuzz studios in Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is AfterBuzz TV's Fargo After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's Fargo After Show. Hello, Fargo fan club, and welcome to episode 9 of Fargo. It is entitled, A Fox, a Rabbit, and a Cabbage. My name is Oriana Leo, and welcome to the rest of your panel, Jillian Leff. Hi. And Sarah Huggins. Hello. David Scafilidi is off tonight. Well, we have one episode left, and the plot thickens, yeah, right? Seriously. So, uh, we, what's interesting about this episode is that we start... Uh, a little bit, just a few moments, I guess, or even a day before mm-hmm. when the last episode left off, right? So I was thinking when it started, we were going to pick up where we left off, mm-hmm. and rather we got context about what Lauren's been up to. Which, I mean, we knew that he could play people because we saw him as the pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was really excited to see him as a dentist. Don't know how safe that is <laughs> or if I've he has a dental license. Well, I was amazed that just to watching that he's like sticking something up into the tooth. Mm-hmm. And, like, how does he, he didn't go to dental school. We don't, we don't, uh, we, don't we don't know, but he's, I mean, he, he didn't go to, um, seminary to become a fake pastor. He probably didn't go to dental school. He didn't figure school. out anything online. <laughs> well, he said he put in six months of work with the guy. He did say that to Lester. Um, so he really hasn't been at it for that long because if you think about it, not that much time has passed. Right. I mean, Molly, the, the only really gauge that we have as far as, it was a year later, wasn't okay, it? Okay, so that leaves six months for education. Who <laughs> knows? Right. Anything is possible. Anything is possible. And Lauren, I think, could do it. Yeah. If it could be done, he can do it. Um, this guy is incredible in his deception. I will um, say too, at the beginning, it was super, I noticed a serious mood change. It was like almost celebratory. It was like the music was different. It was really like light and airy. Absolutely. Happy. And the, like the house party they had with the ice yeah. sculpture. It was very swanky. Yeah. It was very like, what did I write down? Groovy house party yeah. is what I wrote. <laughs> um, but it did. Yeah. He, I mean, you could tell Lauren, he, his choice of new life is one in which he gets to have some fun yeah. and live a little. I guess. Yeah, much more glamorous than we've seen him because, as we know, he's been a solo rider um, (laughs) thus far. And, I mean, listen, after he pretty much killed every single person involved in the competitive hit agency, his boss, he was ready for a change. And he definitely showed it to us with his hot blonde fiancé. What's amazing, though, is that, I mean, not only did he land the hot blonde fiancé, but that this man, this gentleman that he works with in the dental office... That's essentially his last connection, his only connection to whomever the witness is against him or against the shooting at the syndicate. Is that right? Were you guys clear on that? Um, I was a little bit confused Me because too. he was talking about his brother, obviously, right. who's in witness protection. Um, and obviously, I mean, Oriana said this when we were watching the TV show, but the only reason why Lauren does things is to get himself ahead it always has to benefit him in some way you know his all of his sadistic nature 
wraps around to the fact that he's a complete sociopath and he has to benefit. Um, so that's the reason why he was getting so close to this guy because his brother is involved right. with a crime that so he's he committed. probably the only loose end. Yeah. Is what I'm guessing. Right. Right? I mean, Lauren likes to tie up loose ends. He likes to record them first mm-hmm. and then tie them up. Well, he planned on getting rid of that guy anyway because he's really just looking for the brother, you know? Yeah, I feel like that was just kind of an excuse to have him in Vegas. And, like, I don't think we're going to see or hear anything about that. It was a convenient story line. But still really impressive as far as what Lauren is capable of doing. Um so they were going to have a little family reunion of sorts going deer hunting, and we see later that Lester totally ruins that. Um, but when you were saying, Sarah, about the mood shift, mm-hmm. even the, even seeing Lauren in the red room, mm-hmm. very Scarface, like yeah. very kind of glamorous and evil and scary. The devil. The devil, right? The in devil. the devil's lair, all red. Listening to his creepy tapes. Listening to his creepy tapes. Did we recognize <laughs> who that was? Or was it that? was Lester. It was. Yeah, it was, it was the recording that Lauren took of Lester um, after he had killed his wife and he had come over. Um, or the phone call the that phone Lester call. made, yeah. Um, but, you know, just we thought that the settings on our TV were funky. Like, we thought that it was it was too dark, but sure. the episode was just very shot, very dark in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> right? So that is def- – the mood shift played in that way as well. It absolutely the coloring. did. Um, and then – so after we see, you know, the devil's lair, uh, we shift back to right where we left off, mm-hmm. which is the bar, the hotel bar, the cocktails. Um, and Lester, <laughs> I just can't – I cannot for the life of me think of one good reason why he would have approached him. Other than he's like drunk with power from being salesman of the year. He's had a couple cocktails. But but really, what did he think was going to happen? He didn't think is what I'm, I'm going to guess. I think that the fear that Lorne instilled in him sort of dissipated over this year or so of non-contact. And like we saw, there are many shifts in Lester's personality you know he's a super confident guy he has a new pretty young wife he owns a business he's winning all of these awards he feels like there is a power shift in his life and I think that he believed that it was just going to carry over and for me I think that that's why he approached him in the first place because he was like "Uh, whatever like I got this what do you think, well, Sarah? Well, and I think, I mean, I didn't really think about why he approached, but like I said last week, I don't think that was chance that they were both in the same place at the same time. And I think that, it, I just know that Lauren probably knew that Lester would approach him. Like he knows, he oh, knows him that him well. In. Yeah. See, for me, I thought that it was just sort of happenstance that, that it occurred that way. Because Lorne was working on this dentist guy. Right. And it's like Lester sort of threw Ruined a wrench it. in his plans. And I don't think that he was ready to kill all of those people yet. But obviously, as we see, Lester challenges him. And right. he's like, you want this. And also, it's on you. If you look at who Lester was a year ago, you would never in a million years oh think he'd be going to Vegas for any reason. Right? Being right. successful in his career. Having it like... Winning an award is just, I don't know, doesn't seem possible. But again, Lauren keeps tabs on everyone. So right. that, I think that is kind of up but for then, a debate. It's interesting that you say that because I don't want to jump ahead. But later, I even wrote down, if he does keep tabs on everyone, like what I originally thought, 
he would have known that Lester didn't live in the same place, right. had moved, and right. things like that. So maybe, like, what you guys are saying is true. Maybe he had, like, moved on and was just like, okay, that's He was just chasing done. another... Right. Yeah, he was on to his next project. His next. Well, he, it seemed like he was tying a loose ends because he wants to get to this guy who was a witness mm-hmm. of the syndicate shooting. So someone who didn't die mm-hmm. when he shot it up. Uh, but it's just funny that he left Lester out there. But I guess right. he knows. They know, right? They have a well, mutual understanding. Can we discuss the elevator scene? Because the yes. three of us screamed. <laughs> and I have to say, like, I, I'm a scary movie freak. I see everything, anything. I hardly ever scream out loud. And I did not expect that. <laughs> We all screamed. We all screamed. Well, and I just Lauren saying, "Is this what you want?" And everyone in the elevator is freaking out. Yeah, like what? Lighten up. It was the proximity thing that got me. Yeah, just like being in in an enclosed space. Everyone sort of looked at each other as it was happening. You know, the guy was first, and then and then the wife, and, and then, then the, the fiance. fiance. I thought maybe the fiance was going to get to live, but. No, No, they were all just pawns in his master plan. And just the fact that here he is playing this game and he still has this loaded weapon on him. Like, to draw and murder people at any given moment. Right. But the thing that sucks is he gave Lester an out. Right. And he said, "Is do you want this to happen? Is this what you want? And, I mean, like, for me, we know that Lester is a bumbling idiot. Mm -hmm. As soon as that happened... The fear flushed over him. Mm-hmm. We now see the Lester that we grew to not love quite love. <laughs> well, because um, he, I feel like he knew, it's like when he was like, do you want this to happen? Lester kind of knows, like, he's dead either way, kind of. Like, he, uh, that guy's out to get him. Lauren's out to get him. I so it's know. like, I, he can't I think, make a good decision. I think, I, Jill, I agree with you in the sense that he had some swagger as if things were just going to, the dice was going to keep rolling, you know, snake oh, eyes for he'll him. He'll never do anything to these people. And like, he's not going to do anything to me right now. But yeah, that sort of sense of optimism that mm-hmm. he all of a sudden has or, or control, it's bewildering at how stupid it is because he was already pretty much asked this exact same question once before right. and he didn't like the outcome, <laughs> right. you know? And so here he says yes and boy, does he get it. Yeah. Um, and then, but then Lauren says, that's on you. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Because he had a choice. He did have a choice. And now Lester is potentially going to have to, if he lives, live mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. that. But not sure that he has a, much of a conscience nope. anymore. No, because that was the first choice that Lester <laughs> made in this episode. I think that there was a theme of choices. There sure there was, absolutely. Uh, in this episode. For and sure. all of his choices were awful. So he goes back to the hotel room, and his poor wife, I can't remember her name, but we'll call her Mrs. Linda. 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 Thank you, Linda Linda, Nygaard. listen. <laughs> um, and wakes her up and makes her back and leave in the middle of the night, convincing her, well, I don't think she needed that much convincing. She's not too inquisitive. But, you know, okay, we have to go back because of the big fish uh, that he has to work. But then he immediately <laughs> goes back to her idea of going to Acapulco. So... Who knows? Um, but we're introduced to our na- the name of our episode with Key and Peel. Um, they did say their names. We'll say it's agents. I put FBI agent clowns. Uh, <laughs> Budge and Pepper. I thought it was Fudge. And Maybe Pepper. it is Fudge. I don't know. That would be funnier. Yeah. <laughs> fudge and Pepper. Um, and they start talking about the fox, the rabbit, and the cabbage. Mm-hmm. They said that right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So we can uncover that deep. More at another level when we get to news and gossip, but they're, you know, one is posing a riddle, the other one is trying to solve it in the most expeditious way possible. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And in the meantime, someone comes and wants to pull the syndicate file. So what did you guys think when you saw this guy? You know, they're asking their questions. I didn't think this guy was going to take them seriously enough to let anything happen. I mean, how did they get permission to leave? I mean, they were involved with the case. Right. You know, they were sort of the, the spirit of it. And as we saw in the last episode when he was throwing the tennis ball against the wall, the picture of Lauren was behind the cork board. Uh, so it's fresh in their mind. They're hungry for it. Mm-hmm. And this is sort of their shot. <laughs> They're going insane. I think yeah. part of the riddle is that it's it's a ridiculous riddle. There's many answers to it. Mm-hmm. But it's all about... It's all about having to be in the right place and carry things to the right place at the right time so that none of your, I don't know, evidence gets eaten. Um, But it just makes it sound like this is such a, this is such a crazy situation that they're in, that they're about to step into, that I'm They have no idea. They have no No. idea. Um, So we jumped to Molly and the family at the diner, which was really sweet scene to see Greta and Gus and the dad at the diner at Luz's coffee shop. And... They mentioned that she's in charge because Bill is at a conference, and she only has one more month left with the police department. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I didn't quite understand if it was that maternity leave. It kind of sounded like she wasn't coming back. Well, it's probably maternity leave. That's how I took it, and then who knows if she'll come back because... Yeah. And open-ended. And open-ended. I feel like she's going to come back if this case is not solved. Yeah. Um, But... Who knows at this point? Anything can happen. Anything yeah. can happen. Next, we see Lester's rear view mirror as he's driving. Did they drive from Vegas? No, they took a flight. We find out they took, yeah, a, they flight. took a flight. So they must be driving from the airport, and he's still looking in the rear view, thinking he's being freaking followed, out. freaking out, and convinces lovely Linda um, that first, the reason they left was so he could work, and secondly, they should just take that gosh darn vacation right now mm-hmm. to Acapulco. Um <laughs> Because I want to drink rum out of, straight out of coconuts. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And we noticed that they have a new house. So we right. didn't... I don't know that we'd put that together mm-hmm. in the last... We had. Um, yeah. Well, we, we knew that Molly and Gus had a new house. Did we see that Lester had Last a new week, house? no. Yeah. We didn't. Because we, like, as soon as... Remember, we saw him with Linda... Or, like, her getting all turned on by him in the mm-hmm. office. And then were. cut to they were married at that conference. Mm-hmm. That's right. So yeah. we get to see their little really cute house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, definite upgrade. Yeah. Definite upgrade. In the I woods, mean, though. He didn't want to stay in the He did not want to stay there in the murder yeah. house. Um, but we see that he gets home and he's you know, he's really paranoid. And he should be. Like, is Lauren already there? Could Lauren magically travel, like, faster than they did? Who knows? Mm-hmm. He's capable of so many things. All right. He has to check the house. He has this shiny silver handgun. I The first thing that I noticed when he walked downstairs, and the girls can vouch for me, is the orange jacket was hung up. Yep. And that was also very symbolic of who he once was. Yep. And then right before he goes up the stairs, he grabs the jacket. And that's the point that I knew, like, oh, man. <laughs> shit's about to go down. Yeah, Lester's a <laughs> He's reverting back to his old yeah. self. Well, he is. And the fact that he saved it, too, mm-hmm. like... That Creepy. jacket, he went through so much with that coat on. And you would think, if you didn't want to be recognized, if you didn't want to have Lauren come back into your life, you wouldn't have it anymore. Mm-hmm. But obviously, that's not how I really felt. Sentimental guy. So we see um, Gus Grimley. Oh, before that, sorry, Molly comes to the doorstep. Mm. And I'm sure that Lester did not appreciate that. No. At saying that LVPD has uh, him on a witness list, a potential witness list to some murders, and but the thing is, what 
I like, know. Why did they not have the security camera footage or or a security camera photo? You know, why is it being sent over? Like, I get that he's a witness, but how did they come to that conclusion? Well, I got the impression that, I mean, she got a call, and I got the impression that it was probably Lauren that called and said, because how, there's no other way that they would know that he was the person who witnessed that. That's a really interesting theory, because I was thinking the same thing is, if they have footage, Mm -hmm. Um, why wouldn't, why would he be able to tell any of these lies that he's telling, right? Like, they would have the actual picture of, like, okay, well, you just got off the elevator and you're covered in blood. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, there's dead bodies. There would be, there. you would think there'd be some kind of photographic evidence. And we know that Lauren doesn't care about cameras. Because yeah. he's been captured on <laughs> right. how many cameras? Right. Uh, like, security, you know, he just... He's going to do what he wants to do, and who knows, maybe the way that he was standing in the elevator was out of the picture right, of, I'm or, sure or it was. the top of his head yeah. or whatever, and Lester was in plain sight, but obviously that's going to come into play in the next episode. You would think so. I think that's really interesting, Sarah, But to I think did. that that's, maybe Lauren gave the tip. Because otherwise they would have no idea. I mean, there's, there's a million people in that hotel, a million, like, they didn't specify, and that's why I just, I thought that was fishy. Yeah. Well, I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, and it was really interesting that, you know, his wife is there and he's trying to manage his lies to Molly and- with Linda. Right. And Linda is just blowing it, like, left and right. <laughs> she absolutely yeah, is. Girlfriend catches on. She does. Yeah. She does come through. Um, we get a couple little cuts here where we see some foreshadowing. We see Gus is the postman. He's getting the mail and he sees a car drive by and his sort of very mild <laughs> detective instincts have him look, take a look at the car. Mm-hmm. And we see that later on that does come into play as far as him having that recollection. And then we see uh, Lauren God, goes to Lester's old house and those poor people that live there now. Oh, my gosh. This is so sad with the kids. Yeah. So he's asking for Lester. He's acting like his friend. You know, he's going around town. This is his M.O. But it isn't enough that Lester's not there. He's just going to move on. He's going to have to ruin the entire life experience of the kids and the dad that are there thinking, first of all, they need to have been notified that there were murders there. Right. uh, To sell the property. Yeah. That's the law. Um, And on top of it, just torturing small children. But he, he did get glee in it. Yeah. yeah. He smiled. He smiled. He laughed. Um, but the the man at the house does tell us something new, which we didn't know, which is that he has his own shop. Mm-hmm. And it's right. on third. It has his name on it. Right. Wow. He has no shame. No. No shame after all that's happened. He can still open up his own shop with his name on it. New wife. New house. Right. New life. In plain Same sight. town, though. Yeah. Pretty unbelievable. He is awful. And I think in this episode, we find out that Lester is just as bad as right. Lauren. Like, Lauren will personify perhaps did his favorite thing to do, which was give him a chance, give him an opportunity. And when he said took that yes a year ago, it just uncovered what a disgusting person uh, Lester was and, and didn't have the, the guts to be. I agree. Okay. <laughs> um... So Molly asks about the elevator and flight change. We see this exchange, and um, I was definitely surprised that Mrs. Nygaard Linda covers for the flight change. Well, she almost blew it, though. Like, she caught on a little late. Like, she said a couple things. She almost blew it a couple times. We So at the, mo- at the time, right, we 
We know that she obviously loves Lester. Right. Um, she was coming on very strong in the last episode, and they <laughs> right. weren't even together. And we got to hear this whole yeah. thing we'll get to about Cinderella. Yeah, I was just going to bring that up right now. Because, yeah, go ahead. So in the car, the conversation in the car, uh, when she's talking about how she had always imagined being with him, and she used to fantasize about how she would get rid of his wife, and and this is her happy ending, and she used to work as a maid in, ho- in a hotel that her parents owned, and yada, yada, yada. So the true Cinderella story. So really, she is the Bonnie to his Clyde. Yeah. She may be. She's ready to ride or die. Although <laughs> I do want to point out that um, she was working in the insurance office when they met, right? Mm-hmm. Like, she wasn't working at the motel. He didn't come rescue her. That's still less than glamorous. Now, you know, he's a business owner. Okay, so so we got our poop joke in. Yeah. We got a bathroom. We didn't get a bathroom scene. The BM. The BM between the mattress and the box ring. Disgusting. (laughs) I'm wondering if this has actually happened inspired by true events. I don't know. Um, Aujis. But only one Aujis. We keep getting some kind of poop or bathroom yeah something and i wonder i just really want to know from the writers like is this a joke is this is this a badge of honor listen noah yeah. tell us everything yes no we want to know everything <laughs> um so we see lorne lorne is at the lou's diner which is the coffee shop molly's dad this is a really interesting scene yeah. and i think there's a lot that we can only, I don't know, we can discuss. Um, but we find out that Mr. Salverson was state police for 18 years. Mm-hmm. We'd always been wondering what his capacity was with law enforcement, but now we know specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Lauren's taking a big chance, I feel like, by ask, saying he wants to surprise Lester and he's an old friend. It kind of sounds like the oldest thing in the book. To an eighteen-year-old, eighteen-year veteran of law enforcement, mm-hmm. would he be stupid enough? Does he want to tip him off? I think he wants to irk him. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, obviously he was affected when he got up and Molly came in. He was staring at him out the window. Like, he's one of those guys where I bet you he sees the face once and he remembers. Yeah, and that's also why he mentioned. Um, Tampa? It was 79 Sioux Falls. Oh, yeah. Sioux Falls. Sioux Falls. So we've been wondering. 79, I thought thought that's what he said. Yeah, Yeah. it was. But um, we had been wondering what Sioux Falls, the connection was. Mm -hmm. Because remember, we did see a meeting there. And he talks about how essentially it sounded like a massacre of police officers Mm -hmm. um, that he lived through. And he mentioned that it was like an, it was like animal. It was like an animal had done this. Except for animals kill for food. He just, he knows something's up with him. I mean, you don't lose that sort of sense once yeah. you're off the force. Um, he's always had a pretty good eye for things. Do we think that, he, do we think that Lauren was involved with what happened in 79 personally? Or he's just involved through the spider webs? My gut instinct was that, because I didn't really understand why he was talking about that unless he had something to do with it. I don't I don't know, but I I felt like he was like connecting him with something. And I also I didn't quite pick up on what what motivated him to share that information. Yeah. Right. I didn't pick Nothing up on that really. either. He just kinda of was like, Oh, back in seventy nine, I'll never forget it. That's Indeed. why I thought like it was interesting that he mentioned it because I was like, Why else would he say it other than like this guy might know what he's talking about? Right. 
maybe he's trying to send a message. Like, I know, yeah. I know that you're bad news. I know that you're a part of this. Right. Or something. Or something. Um, yeah. You know, him looking up and seeing the wedding picture. Mm-hmm. So he's starting to put things together. Things have happened since Lauren left. I got really scared that something bad was going to happen to Gus as soon as he said that. Absolutely. I'm... Well, now that he knows the Gus connection, because he didn't even say anything about Molly. Yeah. He said, is, no. that, is that your son? Yeah. Yeah. He knows Gus. He knows that Gus kind of tried to come after him after letting him go. And that was his ultimate mistake mm-hmm. um, that he still hasn't really paid for. Right. Probably on the level in which Lauren is used to doling out punishment. <laughs> um but also, sorry, I'm trying to read my writing. Haven't, oh, he says, I haven't had a pie like that since the Garden of Eden. What else does that mean other than he's a snake? Yeah. He's telling this right. Mr. Salverson, I'm a snake. Like, they're having this undercover conversation where one is saying, I know you're bad. I know you're a sick sadistic person who did this and he's going yep Yep. i am sure i am oh geez better get going i mean i love that scene i I thought it was well played by both of them and i appreciated the back and forth you know how innocent is a cup of decaf coffee and a piece of pie with the subject matter that they're talking about and it was it was almost so matter of fact and that's why i enjoyed it i mean right mr salverson is drying some cups and he's sitting there eating and and maybe there is a parallel there maybe they the two they both know animal you know instinct and and animal behavior when it comes to human beings but from just from different sides mm-hmm. you know they know they know the other when they see it and that might just be as simple as it is well because Lauren called him out for being a cop that's right yeah he's like I something well, about you or whatever yeah. he says you I feel like he can read people like no other right but you know yeah. maybe Mr. Salverson can too and I really I'm gonna put some <laughs> predictions of what I hope is gonna happen I'm not gonna say it right now um, um, can I just say probably my favorite part of the entire episode was the scene that or well it wasn't really a scene but what happened when Lauren left the diner and got into the car right next to our FBI guys our FBI getting clowns. out and missed twice missed barely and, and part, Molly came in the back door instead of the front and part of that is just the poetry of this yeah. whole thing of everyone Beautiful. is in plain sight right like nobody's hiding no one's on the run all the answers are right in front of right. you yeah it's a riddle and hence why we've had all these riddles is that yeah. it's it seems like it's a riddle with all the information right in front of you. So meta. It's a parable in itself. It is. <laughs> um, so we know about uh, we know about our precious FBI clowns that you know have already missed a couple opportunities, but they explain to Molly that they were doing one hundred and fifty six. On the 156th day of surveillance of the syndicate <laughs> building, and what that was when the shoot-up happened. And he was like, nothing ever happened! <laughs> <laughs> you know, they were saying, like, you know, logging, comings and goings, and all the boring stuff. And you can imagine, I can imagine how real that is in the sense of if you've been staking out a building for that long. Right. You're not on high alert anymore. You're definitely not on high <laughs> alert. Just like they were arguing how about fast food or whatever. I can imagine that would be a day in and day out rote experience. But you're surveilling this crime syndicate. It's like you'd have to pay attention to every little thing. Yeah. yeah. Everything is important, which I guess is also another meta uh you know, message of Fargo was that everything, every little clue is super important. But they, the agents see the board 
Thank God. God. I I wrote, Molly shows Kian Peel her creeper board. (laughs) (laughs) Which she does, but it was, there was definitely a moment, I think, I know I felt great about it, that Molly finally got some credit. Right. And they were like, whoa, you did all of this? And they put Chief Oswald in his place. Like, you're not concerned about any of these things? Like, you don't care that this one was talking to this one, and these people just happened to be in Bemidji. I also loved that at the diner, they were saying, we're super invested. We're really invested. (laughs) We're really invested. Because, well, so was she. She was the only one that was really invested. And she's had to kind of just eat it and suck it up and know that justice hasn't been served. And also, it's their fault that all those people died. Right. I mean, listen. (laughs) I can argue that if they would have seen Lorne Lorne would have probably killed them and then killed everyone yeah, inside. I doubt anyway. they would have prevented anything. But I think that it's sort of a, they need to complete this mission. They right. also need to get out of the file room. Yeah, my Because God. they're yeah, going insane, crazy. as anyone would. They're invested because they have to be. They have nothing else happening. They have nothing else to live for. Their yeah. careers are over if they don't fix this. Um, so they, you know, they commend Molly for her hard work and they give Chief Oswald a hard time. Um, but then we flash over to Gus uh, Grimley and see him checking out the creeper board at home. So they have duplicates. I'm really right. glad, finally, Molly wrote it down. Remember when she did the whole window yeah. in the hospital? Yeah. And I was like, take a picture. Mm-hmm. Um, now they have two. Yeah. So she's probably been working on the one at home, transcribed it to the one exactly. at work. Kind of amazing. Um, and she mentioned that Gus helped me. She's like, oh, mm-hmm. my husband. You know, Did you work on this by yourself? She said, no, my husband helped me. So... We see that next step is that he's looking at the board. He's staring at Lauren's face. He's the... Well, obviously, we know in the preview, he's the one that says he's back in town. Right. Because you never forget that face. No. Even though we saw his sort of like the POV shot from the inside of the mail truck where we just sort of see Lauren's profile... Right. You can't forget that. No. I'm wondering, though, like, okay, so the creeper board's been up. It's, like, in their bedroom or something, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's there every day. This is the first time he's taken a glance at that photo and I made think, a connection. No, I don't think so. I think that he had a feeling about that car. Yeah. He had a feel. It's a bright red BMW going through Bemidji. Like, his very... Right. Very uh, rudimentary detective skills tell mm-hmm. him, as he's in the, de- delivering the mail this doesn't seem right, you know, and he's really thinking and trying to recollect because, again, some things wouldn't have happened had he just not let Lauren go. Like, everyone is responsible here. Right. That's true. Everyone's responsible for their choices and all of their choices have had major consequences. unfortunate chain of events. Yeah. (laughs) So I think he has incentive, too, to put it together and to not let Molly down either because he did shoot her. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Oops. True. But I mean, it, he also got the girl. So whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but he makes that connection, and we will see in the next episode where that goes. Um, but then we see Lester printing out the tickets to Acapulco. So he had just told Molly, "Don't worry, not going anywhere." Got his wife to shut up. Yeah. His wife's like, "But I thought we were going." No. Um, and on this drive, you know, we as we said before, Linda Shit. is talking about you know, Cinderella story and how he saved her. And she's really pouring it on thick. I mean, they're going on this vacation. Like, this is definitely something that's never happened to her before. She's really excited. And um, apparently their passports are in the safe at the office. (laughs) Would have thought ahead already to not go there. 
I don't know. What about you guys? I just wouldn't have gone inside. You saw the light on. Like, I mean, it's he always Lorne can't he can't be completely invisible. He doesn't want to be. Well, right? yeah, he can't. No. He can't do it. No. That because he's that's one of his pieces to his sort of manic puzzle. He needs to be seen in some way because he needs to warn people that they're after, and if they're stupid enough to do it. It's true. He doesn't send the mess. Doesn't send a message if he does his crimes in the dark. Mm-hmm. He only sends a message if I don't know. They're done not only in public, but more. I guess they're more terrorizing when they're done out in the open. So knowing that, though, why why do you think Lester doesn't just leave? He sees the light on. Clearly, Lauren is in there. And he does what he does, which we can get into. But why? I mean, I this is a great. He knew what was going to happen. I mean, he knew the outcome. It's a great debate. Well, this goes back to why did he even go up to Lauren in the first place? Like he wants to win, I think, on some level, yeah. and he shouldn't even be playing the game. Right. In my opinion, he's not even he's not up to task at all. And the fact that he has such an inflated ego of himself that he thinks he can play hardball with Lauren is ridiculous. I just don't I don't appreciate the trickery because now it's sort of like the student is becoming the the teacher in a sense. Yep. Where, you know, he knew that Lauren knows the orange puffer jacket. He asked Linda to wear it. Then he sadistically says, <laughs> right. put, "Put the hood head. up." Because your pretty face shouldn't get frostbit. But me, I mean, being like, I don't know. I think of weird details like this. But I'm like, okay, she's a tiny woman. And Lester's not like a giant dude or anything. But like, even in the jacket, I feel like if he's looking at all. And he didn't shoot her until she was standing right next to him. Right, like Mm -hmm. in front of him. Yeah. But... I don't know. I mean, like you said, it, this is, you know, we read that article. We'll get to it. where talk about student becomes a teacher. Yeah, he should have looked. Don't you think? I mean, I, I feel like he knew it was her, like, at a certain point and was just like, ha, huh, he knows that, like, Lester's outside yeah. probably watching this whole thing transpire. Do you think so he knew it was like, her when he shot her? Yeah. Yes. Okay. And I think, I mean, when he walks outside and he looks to see where the cars are, he sees the car that's parked and then... Again, like twisted soul, he lights up. He lights up a cigarette and he walks away. Like okay, and well. it kind of makes me wonder. Like, is this is this like let the games begin kind of thing? Like he's gonna let Lester think that he's playing, you know, playing him. I think he was just kind of like, all right, well, your moves, you know, like that doesn't phase me. Interesting, because yeah. he didn't he didn't get rid of the body. Oh no, no, he which, walked right over her. No, which is what he at least has been doing with the other ones. You right, know, try, trying to get rid of them. I want to know how he cleaned. Like what happened with the elevator after? Like obviously he didn't clean it up and he just left him there. But wow, I, <laughs> I real I don't know, and I I just can't believe. I guess I should not be surprised, but I I had a feeling that Lester was going to put her in here. What did I say? earlier in the episode in this scene I was like you know Linda's innocent so she's gonna die because yeah. it's, it's the innocence yeah. that that die in this show you didn't show. think he was gonna do it in the most sadistic way no. possible no I mean I kind of put two and two together like he's gonna send her in there right and he's that's, like oh I hurt my back <sighs> but that is just a, that takes it to the next level of yeah. sadistic 
and he, he is, knew she was dead as a doornail. He knew she was dead as a doornail. He literally might as well have been murdering his wife by handing yeah. her that jacket. He murdered his wife. Right. She would have been dead anyway. So this would be the second wife he's murdered. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, a lot he's got accomplished in the last year. (laughs) So uh, then we, I guess Lester hides. Is he hiding? While I think he's still in the car. Is he like like, laying? Yeah, that's what I thought. (laughs) And that's gonna do anything. Like, how long can you lay there? Well, and like we were saying, Lauren has to know on some level and be taking part in this game like you said your move because in any other circumstance you just walk right over and shoot whoever's in the car right Right. like that seems more no it's on it's on it's on it's ultimately on yeah so that's the conclusion of our rundown let's go into some news and gossip after buzz tv news did you ladies have anything um, well, I can talk about some of the things that you mentioned in that article Sure. Today. Yeah. Uh, so we have some sort of, I guess you could call them clues for season two. Um, some of the executives and the writers spoke out and they said that the same characters may not necessarily be returning. Um, we sort of knew this because, um... Uh, Bob Odenkirk. Bob Odenkirk has Better Call Saul. So he has his own show going on. And he also talked about how the viewers have become so attached to Molly and Gus's relationship. Mm-hmm. And they may not necessarily, you know, go through into into next season. And, you know, there were sort of whispers of it being a mini series in itself. Sort of like American Horror Story where, yes, it's about horror and gore. But each season takes place in a different situation. So... You know, I'm thinking that it's going to be something like that. We have very few clues, but... Or maybe they'll do, like, one... Like, maybe Lauren will cross over, or, like... Yeah. I mean, it is an anthology series, just like American Horror Story, really based off the exact same idea. So it gives them a lot of freedom as far as what they want to do. If they want to bring no characters back and start over, they can. If they want to just bring a couple over, they can. I mean... And like I said today, I'm okay with that. Like, I... As long as they wrap things up, like, a la True Detective, Mm -hmm. like, I'm good. I'm good with starting over. Right. You know? And it's amazing this show has gotten so much more press now that we're near the end. The Mm -hmm. first few episodes, I know I was a little lukewarm about just the pacing. Right. But it was invested. But now that we're almost to the season finale, it's like everyone's talking about this show. And everyone's even talking about the finale. I know that it hasn't even aired yet, but I was looking at some tweets from a critic today, and he was saying that this finale rivals the True Detective finale. Which was, if you haven't seen it, if you like Fargo, you really need to watch True Detective. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Um, The other thing I wanted to mention was, I tweeted this as well. (laughs) Colin Hanks was on Chelsea lately. um, And he talked about... He talked about his audition, auditioning process, and he also talked about the cold. And I was really surprised. They all um, talk about the cold. I think mm-hmm. that's so well, funny. Well, he said the coldest it was for any of their scenes was like something around 40 degrees below zero. <gasps> and I had been co- like commenting all season that none of them seem very cold, but he explained his uh, his wardrobe process where they wore, he wore hand warmers on his toes and like under his feet. <laughs> they literally had warm warming devices all over their bodies. Yeah. Um, under like three or four layers and then with the jacket on top. So it sounded pretty hellish. He had a really good sense of humor but I highly suggest looking at that clip. I tweeted it. And then the other thing was the riddle. Mm -hmm. A fox, a rabbit, and a cabbage. 
So the way that the riddle works is there's a farmer or a man that has a boat and he's got like on a riverbank and he has a fox, a rabbit, and a cabbage. He can only f- carry one item at a time. Mm-hmm. Which, how does he get all of these items to the other side without losing them because the fox will eat the rabbit and the rabbit will eat the cabbage? So it's not that hard to figure out. There's a lot of different ways to do it. You know, you, you take the cabbage over and then you take the fox over and then you take the cabbage back. There's a a bunch of different ways that you don't leave two of the offenders in the same place at the same time, which does... The fox won't eat the cabbage? The fox doesn't eat the cabbage. Exactly. So you can leave the fox and the cabbage at the same place. But so that's kind of how this whole case is going. But what does that mean, like, in life? I honestly, I don't really know. I mean, it... (laughs) Obviously showing, though, how complicated some of these uh, solutions are, right? right? There is no easy way. It's going to be a long, hard trip just to get one thing to the other side of the river and have everything in one place and make it all work. So I imagine if we're referring to the case here that if there's going to be a whole lot of crossing the river, and then I read one answer was, and then burn the boat at the end so that no one else can get across. So... We'll see, but go look it up. Yahoo, <laughs> Yahoo Answers has a bunch of different answers that people have sent in for a fox, a rabbit, and a cabbage. That's fun. Um, and I think that's it. Shall we go into prediction? Yes. yes. And now, your After Buzz TV predictions. Jillian, shall we start with you? Sure. Uh, so, I was very disappointed in Lester this episode. <laughs> um since it is the finale and since the preview was really nothing of a preview. Yeah. Uh, you waited it out, the too. Mo- the most that I can say is that I believe Lester is going to end up going down for everything. Um, Lauren has sort of showed that he has he's very sly. Um, Lester is not. Um, Lester has pretty much been in every single place that the murders have taken place, except for that mass murder uh, in the in the office building. Mm-hmm. And really, you know, Lester is just the scum of the earth to me. Like, yes, Lauren is, but this is who he is. This is who he has always been. Lester was not always like right. this, or maybe he was. You know, he just did it. He just showed it in a different way. So I think that Lester is going to go down. Um, for all of for it. all of it, and I think that Gus is going to be the one spearheading it. I think something's going to happen to Molly where mm. she's not going to be able to fully complete uh, her Early her situation. Yeah, I don't know. So I think something's going to happen to her where Gus is going to have to step up to the plate because awesome. I think that Colin Hanks's character has been too under the radar. Interesting. I yeah. think that's great, Sarah. I know you don't like predicting. I but know, but I have any a like wishes or dreams theory. or hopes. Okay, I have a theory, but I, I, I'm hesitant to say it, but I will say it. But I just know that whatever I think, it's probably completely like out of my wildest dreams. Yeah. Um, I really feel like at the end of the day, there's going to be one person standing. I'm not a hundred percent sure on who I think it's going to be, but I really feel my gut says Lorne, but I could also see it being Gus. Maybe I think Molly's going to bite the dust. I just i I know that. Oh God, I hope not. I know that she's going to go. Um, but yeah, I really feel like at the end of the day, there's going to be one one person, and I don't. And everyone else is just gonna like die in that crazy way that it's really I want to call him Agent Lundy, but that's not who he is. <laughs> he's always dad. Um. It's really hard to um, 
predict this for the finale. I feel like just because we don't know what the what is the ultimate lesson going to be. Is the right. ultimate lesson going to be that evil prevails and Lauren and Lester are going to be able to live? I you know what I mean? That. And somebody who I don't know, but it's going to be bad. If I this just... was a Ryan Murphy show, I would say that Molly would be the prevailer, right? But it's not, so I don't. I really don't. I think she's going down. I just do. I don't have any predictions for who's going down. I hope <laughs> that Molly's dad has Ooh. his intuition plays into it because that exchange was really remarkable. Do you think we're going to see what happened in 79? Maybe. <laughs> I, I mean, so. I I just I definitely feel like that was a very that was quite a remarkable exchange right. they had there. Um I think if we can look at the Garden of Eden, I mean the snake gets the bad rap for everything, but who pays? It's Adam and Eve. So I feel like there's no way Lauren is going to get punished. I'm sure he's going to get away with it. Yeah. He's gotten away with everything. I don't think that justice is going to be served. Yeah. So last okay. time, I was a little quick on the draw. This time, let's tell everyone where they can find us. <laughs> sure. Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter at Jillian Leff. You can find me on my Instagram at Jillian Leff. And if you're a fan of The Fosters on ABC Family, uh, I also host that after show, and that starts up on Monday. Mm. And if you <laughs> yeah. haven't Thanks, heard, <laughs> our uh, wonderful creator, Marie Menounos, came out with this awesome book on diet and fitness, and we've all read it. It's awesome. Um Definitely worth the read. You can find it on Amazon, pretty much anywhere books are sold. Definitely check that out. Sarah? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can find me at, on Twitter at Sarah on the go, Sarah with an H, and on Instagram at SarahBear627. And I'm Oriana Leo. You can find me on Twitter at Miss Oriana Leo or Instagram Oriana Leo. And I finally released another episode of Running Errands in Hollywood, which Yay. you can find on YouTube, Yay. Running Errands in Hollywood. Uh, it's episode three with AfterBuzz's very own DJ Jesse Giannity. Um, so please check that out. I would really appreciate it. I'm not going to be here next week for the finale. Sad. So sad. But hopefully we'll have JB back. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to be a really exciting episode. I'll be watching and I might even call in. Yeah. That's a possibility. Sure. We can have a little family affair and see how this show wraps up. Thank you, Fargo Fan Club, for joining us for this recap of episode nine. We will see you next week for the season finale. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 